Welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast brought to you by BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Got a special guest coming at you here in just a moment. But first, we'd like to remind everyone this week, Saturday, is our very first road game watch party at the Holy Grail. I will be joined by none other than the legend, Tony Pike, as we get you ready for the noon kickoff. Between the number seven, eight, however you want to look at it, Cincinnati Bearcats taking on the Indiana Hoosiers in Bloomington. We'll get going sometime 11, 11, 15, somewhere in there uh, with a pregame show on site. The only way you're going to be able to catch this pregame show is to be at the Holy Grail. And I will remind you, there is a Reds game on Saturday. So if you are planning to be there and get a seat to watch the Bearcats, I would get there early. The Holy Grail is going to be absolutely bananas. So that is your warning. We will be there for every road game, about 45 minutes before kickoff. We'll get the pregame show started. We'll take your questions. Uh, Antonio and I will be hanging around, talking to fans throughout the game uh, for every road game that Cincinnati plays this year at the Holy Grail at the Banks. I think this is the only one with the Reds game attached to it, unless there's playoffs. Well, their season's uh, but, over in like two weeks, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're playing like it. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely playing like it, Dave. Uh, but come on out and uh, have some fun at the Holy Grail and uh, watch the Bearcats and the Hoosiers. Speaking of the Hoosiers, we are joined by none other than Matt Weaver from Peegs.com. Matt is one of the few guys from Peegs I don't think I've ever met before. Matt, we need to get you out on the road to some AAU basketball events so we can hang out. Uh, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick to football. Matt and I have a lot in common already. It, the next day AAU tournament Dave goes to will also be his first. <laughs> <laughs> but, I got to uh, say, Matt, I gotta say go I'm, a monster, I'm a monster Reds fan. I grew up in southern Indiana. I've been going to Reds games since I was little, and they're just killing me. They're killing it's me. You and me both, Matt. Uh, it's just, I was so excited about two and a half weeks ago. And I mean, they don't even tease you. They just pull the rug right out under, from underneath you. I mean, and like first that. inning, like three runs, first inning down, not coming back. I mean, they've it lost been, like three straight. They've lost series to like three triple A teams, the Cubs, yeah. the Tigers and the, and the Pirates. Yeah. It's not good, Matt. It's Marlins good. too. The Marlins too. So enough about that. I just want to tell you, I love the Reds. I love going over to Cincinnati and watching them play, but it's been tough. I'm a, I'm a big fan of peaks.com. How much has the site gotten better since snow took the job at Penn state? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I, it's good for Brian, but you know, we, we miss him. He I mean, you guys know Brian was great. He did a lot of great stuff, but it sounds like he's doing great over there with uh, coach Shrewsbury and, and um, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, trying to get in on some recruits and stuff and get that program turned around. So I hope he does well. And uh, I, I love Brian. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm kidding. I, Brian's Brian's one of my my close friends, and uh, the only thing I can't picture is snow uh, in an office every day at like nine o'clock yeah. in the morning. That just that just is not it's not Brian Snow. <laughs> All right, let's get this thing rolling as we uh, we get everybody ready for kickoff on Saturday. And uh, as always, when we do these segments, Dave, I turn it over to you. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Matt, for joining us. I'll just start off right from the top. A lot of 
hype around Indiana coming into this season. And then the Iowa game happened, kind of taking away the, the turnovers for touchdowns. What was the biggest thing that jumped out to you that just kind of shocked you as, as the game unfolded? Um, <clears throat> how poor Michael Penix played. How, how I thought there might be some rust, but it, it was – he looked really out of sync. Um, no, you know, no kind of timing or rhythm with the receivers. Now, you know, the lack of a run game, which has been a problem for a few years, at least a consistent run game, you know, uh, was, was also a problem because they couldn't do anything on the ground, so it was pretty much on him. But last year it was like that. And, you know, Ohio State, they ran literally for zero yards, and he threw for 500. Um, but uh, just, just how to, you know, how kind of hesitant and timid he kind of looked and just not the Michael Penix that we saw last year for most of the season, um, you know, in a lot of big games. So who's a little better this past Saturday, but, I mean, obviously a lot of that's the opponent. I mean, you go from Iowa to Idaho, um, you're going to look better but he threw for 68 yards on 11 completions. I mean, that to me is right now the most shocking thing about Indiana is the passing game, which was arguably the best in the big 10 last year, um, or at least right up there uh, is just does not look right. And if you can't run the ball and then Michael Pendix is off, it's tough to, uh, it's tough to do stuff offensively, but you know, defensively, I thought they played okay against Iowa. Not great, but good enough to win. Um, but that's the biggest thing that shocked me so far is the offense and, and really Michael Penix in the passing game not being in sync. You know, talking, and that's where I was going to go next, talking about Penix, do you think it's heavily to do with just another rehab, another injury, or is this a bigger thing that's kind of permeated throughout the whole offense? Because, like, looking into this matchup, I'm seeing that, and I don't know the exact way that the play broke down, but, like, Ty Freifogel has a 30 plus yard catch and then nobody has a catch for more than like nine or 10 yards. Mm -hmm. Are they, is it just kind of a <clears throat> passing game, just kind of out of sorts altogether and his kind of still making his way back from the injury, a big part of it, or is it just kind of a little bit of everything? I think it's a little bit of everything. I mean, I think him being on the injury and, and maybe not getting time on task with those guys in the off season, like maybe you normally would. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that the longest pass play is actually against Idaho. Jack Tuttle to A.J. Barner late in the game. He hit him for about a 20 or 25-yard pass, and then Barner went uh, 50 yards. It was a 76-yard touchdown. But, yeah, as far as Pendix, that's the longest play, which is shocking because they had a lot of chunk plays last year. And you think against Idaho, you get at least a few. I mean, if you complete 11 passes against Idaho, it should be like 168 yards, not 68. So, you know, he in the Iowa game, you know, when you throw a ball, when you throw a baseball or football, you got to transfer your weight. You know, you if, you, if you're if you left-handed and you push off from your left foot, you need to go to your right leg. He's not, he didn't do that. His throws were high, which means to me he was throwing off his back leg. His misses were high, which was a problem last year when he, sometimes when he missed. Um, so I don't, I, they say he's healthy. I've seen him in practice before we, when we got to watch practice, he looked like he's moving around okay. But you wonder if maybe there's still some, you know, mental, no, not really physical, but in his mind, he still doesn't trust that knee. He wears a brace on it. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for him, but he just doesn't look like the Michael Penix we saw. And they keep saying it's a progress. You know, it's a continual progress. But the thing is, you've got a really, really good team coming into Bloomington this weekend. Um, and then you're getting close to Big Ten play. This progress needs to really get sped up quickly. Prior to the injury, was he a – 
a true dual threat quarterback like Desmond Ritter, or was he more of a, I'll run when I have to and I can? And has that kind of just basically totally gone out the window through these first two games? Yeah, he. it was funny. A couple of years ago, somebody asked him about being a dual threat because I think that's what he was listed at. And he said, no, no, no. I'm a pro-style, NFL-style quarterback who has the ability to run. I mean, in the past, Michael has – they've done the read option and kept it. But it's been and – he, and, he, and he's been effective. I remember the first play two, a couple of years ago at Maryland. He ran – had a 25-yard run. First play, kept the ball, went around the end, and had a real nice game. But he doesn't like to run. He runs when he has to run. He's not like a Desmond Ritter or some other guys who, you know, I don't know how many times he runs a game, but I'm guessing it's probably approaching 8, 10, maybe, you know, times a game for him, maybe more. He runs if it's, you know, he has to scramble or something like that. And that's another problem with the run game. If you can't push people around with your O-line, you need a quarterback who can put the defense in conflict, and Indiana does not have that right now. There's no threat of a run game for Michael Penix at quarterback. And so, you know, when he puts it in the belly of the running back, the DNs can just crash in because they, they're going to get it. He's almost ne- – unless he does a, you know, play-action throw, but he's not keeping it. But, yeah, he's a quarterback who stays in the pocket and runs when he has to. I was going to go to the, the run game next because I know that that was a big concern last year. <clears throat> and, and, you know, in doing research, they ran for a good number of yards against Idaho, but it was still on like 70% of the – plays were run plays so is it getting better is it is it still the you know granted you have there's clearly some issues throwing the ball but is it is it still kind of where it was last year or how do you assess that you know through the two games so far granted Iowa great defense and they jumped out early so you probably couldn't run a ton and then you know what can you take truly from running it a bunch against Idaho yeah it's a tough question to answer because in the Iowa game they didn't have their starting O-line that they had for much of fall camp because Luke Haggard was out he was back for Idaho but like you said what can you take from that what I did take from it is they didn't push Idaho around as much as they should have being a Big Ten school they and all the talk about how the O-line has improved they didn't push them I mean if you look at the numbers they were okay but it should have been better than what it was I mean to me against a team like that you need to average six seven maybe eight yards of carry I think they were right around four um and, you know, that's not going to work this week. If you can't run against Idaho, you're going to struggle. Cincinnati's really good. Um, so, you know, I think I like Stephen Carr's running back. It gives him a little bit more burst than they had last year, the last couple of years with Stevie Scott, the transfer from USC. He, um, I think he's a nice back. I think if you gave him some room to run, he could be a really good player. But it's hard to run when you got a guy or two waiting for you at the line of scrimmage, you know, most of the time when you're, when you're carrying it. So is it better than last year? I'd say right now it's probably no better. Um, and if you go by the Iowa game, you could argue that it's worse. But then again, they didn't have their starting O-line. I think it's different when you have all five, the five guys in there that you want. So we'll see. But it's it, it needs to make a major, major leap this weekend, starting this weekend. And I, I could be totally wrong. I thought I read this or heard this. Have they kind of tried a new blocking scheme this year versus last year? Uh, Alan kind of said, somebody asked him about that today. He kind of he kind of said, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what's different about it. I would guess right. you're probably trying to do things. Stevie Scott was really good in between the tackles. He was a power back. He wasn't didn't have a ton of speed. He was a guy that would lower his shoulder and run guys over. I mean, he could turn a two yard gain to a five yard gain, a five yard gain. You know what I mean? By, by breaking the tackle. Stephen Carr has got some power to him, but he's got bursts. He's, he's got some good speed. So you want to try to get him maybe more out in space, more outside the tackles than you would with, with Stevie Scott. So they might be doing different things where they're trying to maybe pull some guys or, you know, some kind of blocking where you're trying to get him more into, into the, into the space outside tackle or tight end. 
in the in the past game, UC fans are are well aware of Penix and Freifogel. Who else has kind of been, you know, maybe the second and third options so far this season? Well, based on targets and um, DJ Matthews, he's a transfer from Florida State, but it's been basically like shallow crosses and like dump offs with him. Um, I thought they would do more things, more bubble screens. They haven't really thrown any bubble screens. I thought they might do some jet sweep with him. They haven't done that. Miles Marshall is a guy that I thought would have a breakout year. He's really, he was a sophomore, redshirt sophomore, made some big catches. He's got one catch in two games. So he hasn't done much. Peyton Hunter shot the tight ends, another good pass catcher. They brought in a transfer Cameron, Cameron Buckley from Texas A&M. I think he might have a catch or two. Um, like I said, the passing game hasn't done much. I mean, they just have not done much. But those are after Ty Freifogel, I'd say Miles Marshall, DJ Matthews, Buckley, Javon Swinton is another name, you know, and then Peyton Hendershot and tight end, AJ Barner, too. Uh, he had a big catch against Idaho, you know, late in the game that he took 76 yards. Knowing, you know, the issues with Penix and still trying to get the run game going, what do you think the plan of attack will be for Indiana against UC's defense? Interesting question. Um, honestly, I think I think they will come out. My guess is they'll come out, probably try to throw the ball early. You know, I mean, UC's got good corners. If I'm Cincinnati, I'm probably playing man. I don't know how they how they play their defense. That's, that's but, pretty much all they do is play press. Yeah, man. I would press. I would press the IU receivers because they've had trouble at times. They had trouble against Iowa. Um, you know, getting open at times. I and then uh, is, is it Sanders, the DN? Yeah. Cincinnati. You know, if you can if you can hold him up enough, he if they if he's on Caleb Jones' side, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to chip him because Caleb Jones is not gonna be able to block him one on one. It's just he's just not. I mean, he's a he's a big guy, but he's not gonna be able to block him one on one. So that's what I would do if I was Cincinnati. My guess is Indiana will see that, probably see them daring to throw the ball and try to get after Penix because they know Penix is probably not gonna run. And if you can get to him in the pocket, you're probably gonna sack him. So. It'll be interesting. I mean, if I, you know, I, my guess Indiana is going to be aggressive. I would. They got to get off to a good start. They can't fall behind like they did against Iowa. They got no chance. Defense, defensively, I think the turnovers against Iowa overshadowed that they had a pretty good defensive game. I mean, you you gave up 34 points, I think it was. 14 of them are off interception returns. Like you would think, all, all we need to score is three touchdowns and we and we win this game. So, you know, and, and I, or Indiana has good players on all levels of the defense. What it, which, who, or what unit has stuck out to you the most so far in these two games? Um, I think they've all played pretty good. I mean, the secondary, now the secondary is a little beat up. Um, De- Devon Matthews is one of the starting safeties, got hurt against Iowa, hurt bad enough that they never said, they said it was an upper body injury. Uh, it's like a hockey term. Um, he stayed overnight in Iowa City in a hospital. So I'm not sure what it was. He supposedly is improving. He could play this week. He did not play this past week. Um, they lost their fourth corner, Chris Keys. Jalen Williams, who was one of their – they basically have three starting corners. They only start two, but Taiwan Mullen, Reese Taylor, Jalen Williams basically all play the same amount. Williams missed this last week. He's back. But I would say the secondary is – and they're going to have to play well, obviously. Cincinnati's got good skill guys. Um, but I would say the secondary, Mike McFadden's an All-American from last year, Cam Jones. They played two linebackers. Um, but Ryder Anderson has really stood out. He's a transfer from Old Miss, one of those super senior guys. And he has played really, really well through the first two weeks. I mean, in Iowa, he was really good. Um, and then in Idaho, he was still – he only played about probably maybe half or a little bit more than half the game and had a good game. So 
it, through all three levels, they, they struggled a little bit getting after the passer, but you know, I would say linebacker DB is probably their strongest, their strongest part of their defense. When you look at the way Indiana's played so far, does this set up for them the best possible style of game is going to be a low scoring kind of slug it out big 10 type game? Um, well, if they can score, I mean, you know, they put, they, they played that <laughs> against, they played that against Iowa. He mentioned they gave up 14. They really gave up the offense really gave up 17 because the third interception Penix had gave Iowa short field and they turned it into a field goal. The defense really only gave up 17 points and it was basically, they had one bad play. So, I mean, I guess, but you know, you got to score. I mean, if you can get into the low to mid twenties, I guess you'll have a chance because I think the defense of my, my fear on Saturday is the offense is sluggish again. The defense plays pretty well for the first half, but at some point it's a noon game. It's going to be warm most likely. Um, and you can't, you, you can't give Desmond Ritter a bunch of opportunities and those guys, you know, it, it, you've got to be able to keep him off the field and do something offensively. And if the defense is out there, I don't care how good your defense is eventually they're going to, they're going to do something. So that's my fear on Saturdays. If the offense can't get going, the defense is going to be put, you know, in a basically position where they're going to bend to the point of, of breaking. Uh, Micah McFadden, major, major, you know, big time linebacker. Is he more of a run guy? Can he cover the tight end? Cause you see, he's going to deploy two, six, five, six, six, NFL type tight ends would he match up with them or would is that more of like a Marcelino ball matchup how, how would Indiana cover a, a tight end like that I would say Mike is his strength is run defense but he in the past I mean I can remember last year in the Maryland game him uh, uh, covering a receiver I think it was a receiver out of the slot uh, on a crossing route and, and uh, making the pick um, you know I, I think he can do that I, but I do think his strength is more in the run um, they use him as a blitzer. At least they did last year quite a bit. They have some this year. Um, uh, Cam Jones, the other linebacker, Indiana plays a four-two-five, and Marcelino is kind of like that fifth DB. He's almost like a linebacker DB hybrid. But Cam Jones actually came in as a um, uh, outside linebacker, played that his first year. So he's another guy that could cover. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a big. That's going to be a big part of it. I mean, the Iowa tight ends hurt Indiana a little bit. And I'm guessing, I mean, from my, you know, it seems like Cincinnati's tight ends are probably better. So that's going to be a big part of this game is, is not letting those tight ends go crazy. Taiwan Mullen, all Big Ten defensive back. Will he travel or does he, will he stay on one side of the field? Because UC's got a couple guys that have emerged this year so far as kind of your field side receiver that are at, have added a lot of speed to that unit. Will he kind of follow maybe a, be a better receiver, or does he stick to one side? I think they kind of play guys on one side. Now they they with Ty Taiwan, they'll sometimes play him at the Husky. He doesn't like to be called a Husky; he likes to be called a nickel corner or whatever. <laughs> but they um, they will. Hey, blitz there's, him. there's nothing wrong with being a little Husky. Yeah, they they will blitz him off the edge. They did that a lot last year. It was really effective. He is a really just a really really good football player. Oh yeah. I mean, I think he's an NFL slot corner, and he's going to make a lot of money doing that for a number of years. Um, but he they they will move him around. I mean, he's not the biggest guy, but he's physical, um, and obviously he's, he's got great cover skills. But I they don't I don't remember Indiana having one guy trail somebody. I think they just kind of play their side, um, and then they, that's just kind of how they do things. They play their side and and, and go and go with it like that. 
I can't. Conversely, if, okay. conversely on that real quick, is Fry Fogle a guy they move around a lot, or is he strictly pretty much a boundary guy? Um, he's played in the slot some. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I think in the Hostel game last year where he went off, I want to say they moved him a little bit. And, I mean, he's a guy – Grant Hurd likes his guys to be – he's a receivers coach. He likes his guys, even if they're bigger guys, he likes to try to have them have the versatility where they can play inside or outside. And, you know, Ty was a guy that has played slot in the past. Um, and then he's more of an outside receiver now. I'm trying to remember if they move him too much. I mean, they might some depending on the formation, but, you know, he'll, right. be, on, he'll, he'll be mainly outside. I don't know if it's one side or the other, but, um, you know, it, it's – they're, they're you know – Matthews is the guy they put in motion a lot. Now, they haven't done a lot out of it, but they put him in motion a lot when he's on the field. So, in the first half against Idaho, what, they blocked two punts, ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. Is that right? It was a punt. I can't remember if that was in the first half or second half. Um, I guess my, they, my main question is, did they – are they – is Indiana a big, big-time special teams team – or was, was Idaho kind of like just overpowered and you had free runners? Because you usually don't see like that type of a well, performance out of your special teams where you're getting blocks. And or they had like another kickoff return that went 70 something yards. The guy didn't score on like just yeah. sounded like it was a free for all. Well, I mean, and once again, some uh, let's, let's be honest, some of it's the opponent. No, no disrespect to Idaho, but the, 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 the athletes on the Indiana side were clearly, you know, uh, uh, superior to Idaho. Um, but special teams is an emphasis. Uh, Tom Allen, his past, has been a special teams coordinator. They spent a lot of time on it. Uh, I'm guessing Luke Fickle, with his background as a defensive guy, you know, special teams is probably important to him, too. Um, DJ Matthews was a really good punt returner for three years at, at FSU and the ACC. So he, he took the punt back. I mean, he's you, when you watch him, he's got that kind of instinctive nature about how to make guys miss and just kind of get through there. The punt blocks is probably more to do with playing against Idaho. Um, then, then, you know, now, but they do put an emphasis on it and, and it's something they work on, but it was, both of them were awfully easy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I mean, they were easier than they should have been. So, you know, and then the kick return, they actually turned that into a touchdown, like two or three plays later, that's Jacoby Hewitt. He's, he's got good speed, but really their kick return game the last couple of years, um, hasn't been that productive. They fair, fair caught a lot of balls um instead of returning them obviously against idaho you're going to return them so it'll be interesting to see what they do this week i mean against iowa they fair caught every kickoff they didn't try to take any back interesting uc is kind of the exact opposite trey tucker's their deep man main deep man and unless the kick's like seven yards deep in the end zone he's bringing the thing out so it'll, it'll be interesting from that regard i guess chad you got anything else no i think that's pretty much just, are you surprised how much better the defense has been the than the offense this year we knew your, your the defense at indiana was going to be good that's something you know tom allen prides himself on but it, it just it seems like the offense is just so far behind it's got to be a little kind of jarring yeah i think it is i i think it's really jarring it's and it's it's a weird uh dynamic because for so many years when we had um kevin wilson you know they'd score 40 and give up 45 Right. Um, you know, so it was it was totally different that they couldn't get the defense figured out. And I still think this offense has a chance to be good, but it is can very concerning how slow they've started. And don't get me wrong. Iowa has proved they're good. They went into Ames and beat a yeah. pretty good Iowa State team and held them down. But, you know, they they, they couldn't do anything in, in, against Iowa and Iowa City. And it was, you know, and, and the fact that the run game has just struggled so much this many years in is is definitely uh, troubling because it, it should be better. 
Um, but like I said, the biggest concern for me, the biggest shock is just how off Michael Penix looks and just kind of how hesitant and he doesn't seem to be ripping the ball like he was last year. And it just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the time off. Maybe he's just rusty and all that, but that's the biggest concern, but he's going to have to do it Saturday or it's, it's going to go be ugly early. What is kind of the feeling about this game being that it was kind of billed as a huge game for both teams. Indiana drops the game to Iowa, not looking good in the process. And now it's, is it, you know, I don't want to say must win, but you know, you're entering big 10 play shortly and you don't, you certainly don't want to start one and two in a year that there was a lot of expectations for. So just what is kind of the, the feeling around this game, having, you know, someone coming into town that's ranked in the top 10 and, and has been pretty successful the last couple of years. Yeah, well, I think with the fans, I think probably the confidence is taking a hit a little bit. I know some of my buddies who are IU fans who text me, you know, they're not as confident as they were. Not that they thought they were going to show up and beat, you know, any going to show up and beat Cincinnati this year, but they thought it would, you know, this is a game where I think there's some fear that if the offense doesn't pick it up, um, it can get out of hand because, I mean, you guys know, you guys cover them. This is a really, really good team. This is a legit playoff type team that, that Luke Fickle has. He's done a great job there. And, um, you know, it's, you got one of the best, an NFL quarterback and a lot of NFL players across the roster. So, you know, it's a game that Indiana can't compete. And I think they could win if they played their A game, but we have not seen their A game, at least on offense, um, you know, not even close really. So, you know, is it a must win? I mean, you know, to me, conference games are more must wins than this, but I think this is a statement game for Indiana because if you go in there and even, you know, if, if you get beat handily, it's going to be, okay, well, last year was a fluke. It's it's same old Indiana. You know, if it's a close game, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how it goes, but, you know, I think this is a, this is a real kind of gut check game for this program. Well, that was great. Great analysis. Appreciate it. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Chad, you got anything to wrap this up? Or are we good? Um, I'm good. Tell, uh, make sure you tell Rabbi we said hello. Okay. Are you either of you guys coming over? Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Okay. So, I'm hosting a pregame watch party. That's right. You said you're Holy doing Grail. it. That's so, right. yeah, we're, uh, we're driving over bright and early Saturday morning, and there should be quite the caravan. Well, make sure you of, yeah, give yourself plenty of time because all the roads going into Bloomington are a nightmare. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I've heard. Yeah, so. Okay, well, be safe driving over, man. And uh, uh, it'd be getting uh, in is not fun. That huh? that one lane road getting in is not fun. Coming, from you guys Cincinnati. come. You get off and come through like through Columbus and take forty six. Yeah, that's what I've done in the past. Yeah, yeah, Clum- that's Columbus. Columbus is that's where I grew up. That was my hometown, so I know that road well. And yeah, if you, the problem is if you get behind somebody slow, you can't pass because it's all windy and you yeah, know, there's no passing or anything. And like you said, it's one lane, so. Um, but there's construction. I, I live in Indianapolis now and there's construction going down and it's, it's a nightmare. Yeah. So, but be safe, man. And, uh, be nice to see you face to face on Saturday. Yeah. We'll try to figure something out for sure. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it, man. Thanks guys. Take care. You too. That's Matt Weaver from peaks.com. If you're looking for IU info, peaks.com is absolutely the place to go. That is the, uh, kind of destination spot for Indiana fans the same as Bearcat Journal is for UC. Rabbi, if you're interested, if you're wondering, Jeff Rabjohns, who is a longtime uh, writer and reporter in the city of Indianapolis. He's covered IU forever. He's covered the Pacers in his career. Uh, 
Jeff is a guy that I spend a lot of time working with uh, on the road at AAU events. So, uh, and, and I've known, I've known Peegs forever. Uh, and Peegs obviously being Peegs of Peegs.com. <laughs> Peegs had one of the first meteoric rises in the, uh, in the team site business. Peegs.com has been around about as long as any site that I know about. He, uh, he started right when all the night stuff happened when, when, when they fired Bobby Knight. And then, so, you know, at the time the internet was Al Gore had just invented the internet. Right. Um, so that was kind of, uh, like the place to be as the, the Bob Knight saga was unfolding and they blew up and became one of the, one of the premier team sites in the industry. So, uh, love those guys, known them all for a long time, and uh, they do awesome, awesome work over there. He was a little too effusive in his praise of snow, though. Come on, yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah. No comment, no. <laughs> um, any, any thoughts you want to add about the Murray State game, Dave? Uh, I want to give Murray State some credit, like. Yeah. One day, like, actually tried, unlike our. What did I say? Unlike our week week one opponent. I say on this podcast last week, don't be surprised if Murray State puts up more of a fight than Miami did. Uh, They took kind of the. Miami took the, like, max protect, uh, run the ball, even though we're down 35 approach. Murray State went with the throw the ball as quickly as possible approach yeah. i mean did they even attempt to pass like over 15 yards a couple later in the game i think as things Every, were starting everything was quick slant screen or run and i give them credit though i mean on that first drive they converted three or four third downs but then when they tried to take a, a shot play it was an interception um so you know, I, I give him full credit. I'm I'm not even I'm not even gonna say like UC didn't want to be there or UC was bored or UC No, was, they just did a great job was vanilla for the down. first for the first half. They just executed their game plan really well, kept UC's offense off the field. I mean, how many times have you ever in any game seen a team run three plays in the first quarter? That was ridiculous. Like three plays in one quarter. So you can't even ridiculous. say like his offense was bad. I mean, they had one drive. Like they went three and out. I'm not even going to say that it was it was bad. It happens. Yeah. I mean, I thought Dez was off on those first two series. Um, I mean, how much rhythm can you get in when you're on the right. field for like you warm up you did, and then you come out for three plays after the other team has the ball for like eight minutes. You yeah. go three and out. Then they have it for like another seven minutes. You don't get it again until – whatever it was in the second quarter, but credit to them. Like I was impressed with their gameplay and I was impressed with the way they played. Um, so, but I, it, it also does, didn't worry me at all. Like you're going to have those moments throughout a, a season, whether it's against a Murray state or it's against a Notre Dame, like you're going to have moments where the other team just, they pick up a third and 11 on a, play that you, normally you would stop them or, you know, stuff like that. Um, from a UC standpoint, offensively, I don't, I'm not ready to like anoint them, but, and I know 
Alec Pierce and Michael Young are the two quote unquote starting main receivers. But like how good have Tyler Scott and Jaden Thompson been? To where like I'm I'm analyzing this game and you know Matt touched on it and we'll definitely get into it more, but like even just moving forward, like how do you not have all those guys on the field at the same time? Or or I mean or figure it out. Like like they're they have I mean, and we saw it in camp and, and everything, but, like, they are absolutely – and it's not just, like, Tyler Scott going over the top because Miami was in a terrible defense and, and – Tyler Scott's funny, always like, open. That that touchdown right after the Murray State turnover on the post was, was perfect. Like, Jaden Thompson has been – I'm not going to even say, like, a revelation, but, like, if that's what you're going to get out of your – what fourth, fifth, sixth offensive option when you consider Jerome Ford, Josh Wiley, Pierce, like Young, Young, Lenny. right? Like, I mean, the Miami game. I know I tweeted this out. They were up twenty-eight to nothing, and Young and Pierce didn't even have a target. Yeah. So, because like, everybody, like, those are the known entities. Everybody's trying to shut down those two guys. So far. Well, you think, like, I think too mentally, like, defensively, you think you're, like, getting a break. Oh, they're, they're subbing in their backup receivers. Right. Like, the first drive of the game, we get Pearson Young, and if they don't score, they score whatever. And the second drive of the game, you get Jane Thompson and Tyler Scott. And it's like – Well, I think – But not Thompson Tyler is... Scott. Scott's a, a quote-unquote, I would say, when they go three wide, he's a starter. They're almost all – I mean, regularly in three wide. Um, Thompson, it was interesting. He was, he's been the backup on the field side behind Scott, but with Jordan Jones out, I noticed he's, he was the, also the backup on the boundary quite a bit behind Alec Pierce. Mm-hmm. So he's showing that if you remember last year when Pierce got hurt, Jaden Thompson was the first guy to get a crack at replacing Alec Pierce. So he's got a little versatility to play both outside spots. Um, and yeah, I mean, these two young kids are, are ready. Like they are ready for prime time. Uh, Tyler Scott, it just, he runs such good routes. It's crazy to think he's only been playing wide receiver for a year, like 14 months. Yeah. Cause he didn't start playing wide receiver until he got here his freshman year. Right. He was a running back. So to think that he's only been a, rec- a wide receiver for that short a period of time and he's already as good as he is now, like, look out, man. That kid's got a chance to be really special. Really yeah. special. Outside of that, I mean, there's nothing from, for me to discuss from a Murray State standpoint. I mean, it's, you know, almost a week old. It's an FCS game. You know, I don't have anything else. Okay. Indiana, are you surprised how terrible their offense has been? I mean, I have to say yes, because it's been dog poop with a capital P. Like, awful. You know, breaking down their numbers even more, like, yikes. Here, here's one That's th- a close game if it's not for special teams last week with Idaho. I mean, it's – I. that's not a close game, but it's not 
a convincing win. Well, that's, that's the thing. They stretch. were up, they were up 35 nothing at halftime with a blocked punt for a touchdown. And Idaho fumbled. Their quarterback fumbled. They had a 13-yard touchdown drive. They ran a punt back for a touchdown. And then they ran another punt or kickoff 72 yards to set and blocked another, like, yeah. I mean, their one offensive touchdown in the first half was from 13 yards out. Yeah. Like, and he, and he, and he did not shy away because I was going to ask him, like, Michael Penix has been awful. Bad. Bad. His, bad. his yards per pass attempt is like Joe Flacco level, 4.8 yards per pass attempt. That's like an That's insane number right. for a college quarterback. You don't know, know what Dez's is? What? 11.44. That's a little better. Uh, yeah. That's really, really, really good. Anything over 9, 10 is like outstanding. Because you're counting just passes, not completion. It's like so they ran the ball. Their line I mean, is bad, right? They ran the ball 47 times against Idaho. I mean, Matt said it. Penix threw the ball 10 times or 15 times. He's 10 for 15 for 65 yards. Yeah. And you would think after what happened against Iowa, you'd have tried to get him in a rhythm. For sure. And it, it, and it, it probably hurt them getting into a rhythm because their special teams kept kept doing what they were doing yeah and, but like it's just it's their numbers are just so off like Stephen Carr is the leading rusher 41 carries for 175 yards 4.3 that's not bad long of 26 no one else has a carry over nine yards it's not great like their receivers Fry has got 10 catches the Matthews guy that he mentioned has six catches but for 30 yards his long is 10 the tight end, Hendershot, who I thought was a, a, would be like a main target. He's got three catches for 26 yards. Like it's it, their numbers. It, it's it's and look, let's say this first off. Iowa's been for me the biggest revelation so far this college football they season, have, right? But like if you break down their games too, their offense is atrocious. But their defense is right. as good as anybody in the country. It is, but like you, sh- like their offense is, is, has been as bad as Indiana's against yeah. Iowa. Again, I'm not turning this into like an Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State, Indiana podcast, but like just to put it in perspective, against Iowa State, they averaged 2.7 yards per play and won convincingly. Yeah. That's how State, good their defense has been. It has been. So, like, but like UC's defense is just as good. Oh, they haven't played to that level yet. They can but be just it's as good. there. But yeah. I will also is Iowa's defense that good because they intercepted two passes and ran it back for touchdowns, one that went right through the wide receiver's hands. Like and they pretty much embarrassed Indiana no, and Iowa State. Absolutely. I'm just saying, like, but it kind of go it goes back to the same things that we talk about. Like, is is Penix gonna get good this week against this defense are they going to fix all their it would not seem like it would not seem like like their running game might be a little bit better but like you want to run the ball against this team okay that's how you want like this is the thing 
as competition increases in talent, they're going to want to do what they do because they think we've got right. the, we've got the dudes. So they're not going to they're not going to max protect. This is what I talked about Monday. They're not going to only run quick game like right. our first two opponents did, because they're going to go. Well, we got dudes just like they got dudes. Like, why are we going to change our total offensive game plan? Because their defense is is good. Like, we're going to do what we do. So if you do what you do, and you have five blockers or you want to run the ball up the middle, like, and you think you're going to go with an offense that is averaging less than five yards per pass attempt, or like that tells me that your offense is not geared to, to beat this defense. Cause you can't beat this defense that way. Right. And especially if you got a quarterback that is immobile out of, for whatever reason, and is, in his own head or feeling things or, or seeing things or not seeing things like they're clearly not on the same page. You cannot have a guy come back. Like Matt said, coming off a year where they didn't run the ball worth a damn. And he still, before he got hurt, had an outstanding year. Like, like what failure is not the reason that this offense isn't that good. Right. And your, and your best receivers got a buck 13 in two games. Supposed to be one of the best receivers in the country. He is. So, like, I'm. I mean, it goes back to, right? How's this team going to score enough to beat Cincinnati? It always goes back to that. Because this offense, whether it's against Miami or Murray or, or anybody else, pretty much anybody else, it's not the offensive old. Like, it can screw around for a little while, and it's still going to put 30 on you outside of turnovers or you know right in you know you know uncommon things things you can't rely on how much are you worried about this is the first real test for Cincinnati's offensive line I mean I I can't say I'm not worried like I need to see the tackles go up against like pretty good players but I'll give Miami credit. Like the best players on their defense are defensive linemen and they did pretty well against them. Um, Matt kind of mentioned to it there. They don't seem to be getting a lot of pressure from their defensive line, which I'm kind of surprised about because I, I thought that that's kind of what that transfer from Ole Miss kind of why he was coming in was to get more pressure on the quarterback. But I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm like, it's not a thought at all, but I, but that also then goes back to like the Desmond Ritter element where we, where we've seen so many times his, his feel in the pocket, the way he operates covers up for a lot of that stuff. I mean, how many times last year was he like literally nanoseconds away from getting sacked and he's, he ducks or he moves and he's out the gate and right. 30 yards downfield, which we haven't seen any of that yet this year. Like they have not ran him outside of the fourth and one against Miami. I mean, they have not ran him designed runs at all. Yeah. And we saw that the first two games last year. And he, I think he's also he, been more, he more cognizant of, of hanging in the pocket and making throws instead of 
you know, just taking off at, at first sign of, of trouble. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to dis, you know, say I'm not worried about it at all, but I, I feel like they can, they can handle it. Like this is clearly like, we talked about their defense having a good game against Iowa comparing the UC and Iowa's offense or like comparing, you know, a 1965 car to a 2021 car. Like they're not in the same realm. What kind of 1965 car are we talking about though? Like a Pinto? Sure. Or like a a Mustang. Iowa had a 55 yard touchdown run. That was basically their entire offense. Yeah. Like you're just, it's just a different, it's a different offense. It's a different skill set. Like, it's, they're not the same thing. Like they're going to be seeing something totally different. They're going to be, if they couldn't stop Iowa's tight ends, they're not stopping Josh, Josh and Lenny. Right. And Iowa doesn't have burners on the outside, like Alec Pierce and Tyler Scott. Yeah. Their quarterback is damn terrible. <laughs> like, so I'm, I'm trying not to get, I mean, I kind of felt this way coming in. I'm trying not to get like, too far ahead of things, but the way Matt painted their offense, like unless they just have like a come to Jesus moment, like where is, where, where is this going to come from? Right. I mean, I do expect them to be very fired up in that they're trying to uh, erase the, the taste of that Iowa game. And they know this is a chance to do it at home, sold out crowd, national TV, like this is their chance to kind of get back on track for what they thought was going to be potentially a special season. Mm-hmm. So I expect them to be fired up, but that only like takes you so far, right? You can be fired up, but if the other team is also fired up and just has better players or, or executes better, it might not matter. Right. Do you think it helps Cincinnati that they did have some struggles against Murray state? I don't know. Just because like, what were the struggles from? Like, we don't know those things. Like, no, it was dudes, from getting off the field on third down. Like, that, dudes that's... just totally missing assignments, or were they getting, were they getting whooped, or you know, I I don't know. It's very hard in a small sample size. Like, it is. It's the only sample you have to evaluate. But like, I guess I just look at things differently. That it's hard for me sometimes to just assume that no matter who the opponent is that it's going to just be like shit through a goose and we're going to do whatever we want on every play and you know just have no resistance whatsoever these guys aren't even going to try they'll not you know they'll never be able to block us we'll be in the backfield in a second and we just throw it out here and this guy runs 80 yards and because the other team's just so slow so i i don't know i mean was I surprised that it was like it was that hard to get anything going? Yes, but then at the same time, like they were hardly on the field. Yeah, I mean, I didn't take really anything away from the offense in that game. No, I, I, didn't. I thought I definitely the defense, didn't. especially there were three third downs where they got a false start and still picked up the first down. Yeah, like if you're Cincinnati's defense, you can't let Murray State do that to you. No. So, and but yes, they were vanilla. Yes, we didn't see, you know, the what we're expecting to see from Trestle's blitz package on third down. 
They hardly ever sent any more than four. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they are watching this tape and seeing what Penix is doing, and they're not just sending the crew. Yeah. Like, make this guy – this guy's already in his head. He's already not trusting whether it's himself, what, whatever it might be. Like, let's make him speed it up even more. Yeah, for sure. So um, this is this is like just something that I stumbled across. So you know, Bill Conley that does the SP Plus, yeah, at ESPN this year he murdered. This is just funny to me, and I think people will just find these enjoyable numbers. He merged the FBS SP Plus and the FCS SP Plus for like a full three hundred something team ranking. So UC is currently tenth. Their offense is 23rd, defense is 8th. Indiana's 46th, offense 58th, defense 37th. I was at 15. So they're they're right there with UC, a little bit behind UC. Miami is at 137. So there are several FCS teams that are, according to this, are better than Miami. Guess where Murray State is? 48th. Well, if Miami's 137, there's no way Murray State's at 48. <laughs> they're ahead of Miami, I would assume. Well, no, they're 141. <coughs> right there. They're four spots behind. Idaho, Indiana's opponent last week, is 190. So they're considerably worse than Murray State. So, I, again, what do you take from an FCS game? I don't know. Here's the jarring numbers. You ready for this? And this should be made a billboard as to why we're leaving the AAC. ECU, 123. Temple, 161. So 20 spots behind Murray State. <laughs> USF, 169. Navy, 175. Navy is a slightly better team than Idaho. Justin predicted Navy would go winless, and he's I, looking pretty smart. Uh, I, well, their whole thing is – have you seen that? Yeah, they, the, the, AD the AD fired, fired. the offensive yeah. coordinator, and then the coach said, no, he needs to come back. They had another coach leave because he wouldn't get the back seat. Like, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, just not, going, it's not great. going off of that, like, you wonder why we're trying to leave? Like, look at some of these numbers. There's like 30, right. 30, 40 FCS teams better than these than these teams. Not good, Charlie. Not good. Not, not good. But, you know, I think this just comes down to like, unless Indiana's offense just takes some huge jump against a defense quite similar to the defense they couldn't do anything against in the first game, like, UC right. should have very little trouble. I concur. So, the Simone family tailgate is headed to Bloomington? No, or is just, it just, 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 me, just me and the wife. All right. Are, are you taking jello shots with you? I'm not. No. Why not? Because I don't feel like making them. Because I don't make them. 
you call your aunt and have her make My, a batch yeah, for she's, you. She's got Oktoberfest that started tonight. <laughs> I don't think she's doing anything for the next four days. She's got a whole lot to deal with with that. So I hope everybody goes to Oktoberfest as well as they're going to Holy Grail on, on Saturday. Hit up Oktoberfest. Well, maybe if somebody's listening, are you going to stop by Republic of Cincinnati? Is that your plan? That is the plan. We are leaving Brighton early, trying to get into one of these. Early, early. Yeah, like we're leaving by six. Trying to get into one of these lots uh, close to them and then making our way over there. Well, maybe somebody, if, you know, somebody's listening that's going to be at the Republic of Cincinnati tailgate. Maybe they'll make jello shots and bring them for you. That would be splendid. You, you got five on it? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just doing a straight up, straight back trip? Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish we would have gotten uh, not realizing. I always I thought it was like a two-hour drive. It's closer to like a three-hour drive. Yeah, and it's going to, trust me, getting out of there is going to be hell. So... I'm kind of wishing we maybe had gotten a hotel room, but I, I checked tonight. There's, there's nothing, uh, nothing available. <laughs> no, no, not even for the night after. Oh, for, I didn't look for Saturday night. I, no. I would be more inclined to stay Saturday night than I would be Friday. No, we got, we, we, I, I gotta get back to the kid, man. I know. I'm just saying that game's going to end at what? Three thirty, four o'clock. Yeah. You're not getting home until eight or nine. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. I I don't want to hear anybody bitching about the traffic. Why not? That's what everybody does is complain about traffic. You have been warned. I warned everybody Monday. I've warned everybody today. Matt warned everybody. It is getting out in and out of Bloomington is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Like Oxford? It's worse. How's it worse? Because it's a long, winding, two-lane road. You can't pass, and it's it's a nightmare. Well, if everybody's going back to Cincinnati, then we should all be going fast. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's not fun. I've done it. I've done it a couple times for IU basketball because uh, I had a buddy that was a diehard IU fan. And he would get tickets every now and again uh, for some big IU games and, and take me with him. And, you know, we do seven o'clock tip-offs on a weeknight. And it would be real late when we got home because getting out of there. And that's, that's Assembly Hall. That's, you know, 30,000 less people than are going to be at this football All game. All the Indiana fans will be gone by midway through the third quarter anyway. So. <laughs> What what's the over under for a road game tailgate? Is it is it low because you gotta get back on the horse and drive home? No, Rachel no. drives. Rachel loves to drive, so oh, well there you go. Yeah, she she wouldn't mind the drive back at all. So we shall see. What what are you setting the over under at? Oh, I don't know. You're gonna be there if you leave at seven. We're leaving six. At if six. you leave at six. Uh, you'd be there by I feel 9 like 30, get, 10 getting there won't be terrible because there'll be a lot no, of it's you, gonna suck a lot of the uc people will have gone over the tomorrow night though 
too. Yeah, but a lot of them are staying like in Columbus and shit. So like yeah. they're gonna have to take that road. You got to go through Columbus and then down to Bloomington. You're still gonna catch all those people on the way yeah. on this two lane road into Bloomington. So we'll see. I'll go. Right. I'll go six and a half. Yeah, uh, it just depends on when we get there. Like how where we have to park, where I've got it, how far I got to Like I can't even like put a number on it right now. I'll go six and a half. Unless Rachel drives, then I can just start, you know, pounding beers in the car. Oh, that's going to be fun when you're stuck in traffic on that two lane road. And you really <laughs> like, you got, you better take somewhere to piss in. <laughs> like you better have a cup or a, a, a milk jug, something to, to drain the lizard. If, uh, if Rachel drives there. See, they should block the road and have them both lanes going in. And then after both lanes going out. The problem with that is there's no really other, like other than going up through Indianapolis, there's, there's two ways into that town. One right. coming through Columbus and we the other like coming from 46, Indianapolis. At a certain time, it turns into both lanes are going in. Sorry, you can't, you can't leave on a game day. Like you're, <laughs> you're not going out until everybody's in. You just can't leave. <laughs> right. So you got, you got a, uh, what is your you you? If I do I remember correctly, you picked Indiana. So, but what did I say then? I need to see them play Iowa to feel comfortable about this. Well, the fact because that you it picked was, them without seeing Iowa make is more concerning. Well, what, the damn problem is we did the podcast before they <laughs> before we could see how I, they looked. I didn't need to see them. I needed to see if Penix was going to look like. Look, Joe Burrow looks pretty good, doesn't he? He does. I didn't know if Penix was going to look like Penix or if he was going to look like a complete shit show. And he's looked like a complete shit show. So that changes the formula a little bit. I still think Indiana's defense is really good. Um, I think they're going to make it at least somewhat of a, a tough process for Cincinnati's offense. And based on what we saw against Idaho, Indiana's pretty damn good on special teams. Now, Cincinnati special teams have notoriously been pretty good. So uh, we're still not sure about Cole Smith. Uh, I don't think they're going to block two punts. And I don't think, I don't they're gonna, I don't think they're going to return a punt for a touchdown and return another punt for like 72 yards. I don't necessarily either, but that they're still pretty good, right? Oh, for sure. It's, it's something you pay attention to, but like they're not paying like the way Mason Fick are like they're not paying more attention to special teams just because of what Indiana did to Idaho like they give it the proper amount of attention regardless yeah I'm gonna go 31 to 20 Cincinnati all right good because I'm I didn't want us to have the same score I was thinking 31 17 but I but I think that's what I'm gonna go with but I'm not going to. You think be, it's going to be more? I do. I do. So, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with 3117. Um, but I, I do. I think it, I just like over the course of a 60 minute game, they're going to have short feet. Like they're going to turn the ball over more than likely. They're going to have, short field it's like the dam is gonna break at some point so 
Well, I, you know, I think it goes back to what Matt said. If, if that offense is, is a uh, uh, load of three and outs, their defense is going to wear out at some point in time. Right. Like, without question. And we've seen quick strike ability out of the Cincinnati offense. Uh, we've seen Jerome Ford be very good so far. Still a little bit of a concern there with him taking care of the football. That is that is an issue that has not been resolved yet. What I guess I'm missing this one. What what is he? I mean, he fumbled four times last year. They UC just recovered. Well, that was last year. And he fumbled in the Murray State game. He did. Yeah. When was that? Murray State recovered where, it. In where the was that? Half. When drunk? Were you blacked out? The end of the second half. The middle of the fourth quarter. He fumbled. Oh, that doesn't count. He fumbled. <laughs> It was clean. He was carrying the ball like a loaf of bread through the, the middle of the line, got oh. popped, and then fumbled. Not con- – Jerome, don't listen. Not concerned. You 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 tote the rock. You, you put that dollar bill on that flap jacket, and you get in the end zone four more times this week. I can't believe no one, ta- no one talked about how that against Miami. What? Did you not? Did you watch the TV copy at all? No. He had a dollar I've been, bill. I've been busy. He had a dollar bill taped to the back of his, on his, of his flat jacket, <laughs> like his rib, his rib protector type thing. And he was on the bench, and they he had like his jersey kind of pulled up a little bit in the back. I don't think it was on purpose or anything, but like the video camera, like the you know the TV camera caught it. I was like, that that's the thing you need to start doing. You can do NLI, NLI advertising. On the flat, on the rib protectors now of the running backs. I don't think the I don't think the school would be too thrilled with that. But <laughs> yeah, I I just like they have a lot of talent, but like if you're not if you're not, if you're playing as poorly as Matt alluded to, like that's just going to get fixed now. Like I would have thought that would have got fixed against Idaho, and it really didn't. Right. So of course we don't know if it got fixed because their special teams right eliminated any, any ability to find out really. But even on the, you know, and I guess you're up a ton, so you're not going to just sit back there and throw it. But part of me would be like, I got to see what my quarterback's deal is. Right. Going into a, like a Cincinnati game. Like I'm not trying to rub it, run up the score, but I wouldn't feel super confident if my quarterback just threw for 65 yards. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Not especially not, you know, you got Cincinnati coming up next. Cuz like what have you really found what do you really know about him to this point? Like Are you playing... concerned at all they haven't played in front of a real visiting crowd in 2 years? No, not not one bit. Okay. I mean just I don't it's not something I think about when you have this type of veteran team. Okay. Next next year? Sure. But like the crowd in the Peach Bowl was bigger than this game's going to be. No, there was only 19,000 at the Peach Bowl. What? Yeah, they were limited still because of COVID. Oh, that's true. It was, okay. As Brett would say, there, there will be more fans at the Peach Bowl. <laughs> they're, they're, they, it's a sellout. There's going to be like 53,000 or whatever that place holds. Yeah, I'm not concerned. Like, I okay. just, I just, I'm not going to, I can't imagine like Daz. 
and Sauce and Maje and Renfro and Malik and whoever you want to name, just being like, oh man, there's 50,000 people here. I don't know if we're ready to play. This is, yeah. this is crazy. I, uh, I filed like, a complaint. With on like Tuesday. five, five to 10,000 of them being UC fans. I filed a complaint on Tuesday. Who are, with, who uh, did you file a complaint with? With human resources. Just, Justin and I were heckled on the way into practice on Tuesday. Who's completely, completely. Who? Uh, 81 in white and oh. number nine in red. Suspensions. Yeah. They called us Tweedledee and Tweedledum oh. as we were walking into who, practice. Who was who? We asked after practice and it, it went exactly how you thought it would. Justin's Tweedledee, you're Tweedledum. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> They, they heckled us. Now, if they were a little bit older and they really wanted to be funny, they could have just called you Ace and Gary. That would have been better. That would have, that would have really stung. That would have hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they probably have no idea who Ace and Gary are. No. But it was funny. We're just like, we were, we were in the, you know, we had stayed in the, uh, the, the fickle press conferences because they're redoing the team room. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. fickle press conferences have been we did in the a, uh, facilities tour. Yeah. Last week at our fan council meeting, we went, so we went down there and saw that they were, had everything kind of constructioned off. Um, so we were in the, the basketball media room. So we walk out of fifth third up the steps uh, right by the, the baseball field. And we're just minding our business, walking to practice. And all of a sudden, we're getting catcalled from like 30 yards away. And it's, and it's Wiley and Dez just heckling us relentlessly. And Dez is like, if you're going to dish it out, you better be able to take it. And I was like, have you not seen my Twitter feed? <laughs> He's probably, no, I haven't. I got a kid. He's like, yeah, yeah, you clap back. I'll get you on that. You clap back. I'm like, you don't want to, like, you're messing with a professional, son. You don't want to go down. Wiley's going to, Wiley's mouth is going to get you in trouble. <laughs> Th those guys are great, man. It, that, this team is having fun, which I think is, uh, is really cool to see. So hopefully it continues because uh, you can build a lot of momentum into this bye week. Uh, and, and Notre Dame's, <laughs> Notre Dame's not not going great right now. I mean, Where are they in S and P plus? Toledo like kind of handed them that game. What well, the the officials also kind of handed. I didn't I didn't see any of it, but I know like just listening to some things, some podcasts that I listened to, like Florida State's one thing. Back to back weeks is kind of another. Their offense is has been better. But, like, what I expected them to do well, they're not doing well, which I didn't expect them to be a great passing offense. I expected them to still be able to run the ball pretty well. Like, they're not at all. And now they got Purdue, who's not a pushover, and then Wisconsin, who certainly isn't going to be a pushover. Like, I, I would be mildly surprised if they won both of these games. 
Like just based on the way they're playing, I mean, these two teams are better than Florida State and Toledo. Yeah, I mean, Purdue's not great. They're not great, but they've like David Ball's a really, really good receiver. David Ball's fantastic. Their quarterback has been has been good so far this year, but like they're not great, but like Toledo shouldn't be scaring the shit out of you with a minute and a half left. No, that's fair. (laughs) So that part's fair. I'll give you that. So yeah, it's uh it's this whole like and I and I have not been one to be like Obviously, Indiana and Notre Dame can't go like seven and five, but like I have not been one to be like they have to be 10 and two, 11 and one, like only lose to UC type thing. Because, like, even if Notre Dame wins the ne- these next two games and loses to UC, like, who else are they losing to in the regular season? Like, the ACC is garbage. Yeah. They're still, they're still better than all the teams are going to play. True. So, but yeah, I mean, it's they don't look great. The defense. Obviously, don't look great. You know, Marcus having buyer's remorse. <laughs> Probably not, but no comment. <laughs> I there was somebody that posted on the board that not everybody is thrilled with you know being in South Bend. It's South Bend, man. It, it's uh, when you step foot off campus, it ain't uh, it ain't the Ritz. We'll just, just <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I got an idea of who, who might not be loving it. <laughs> it it's, it's not Cincinnati. No, it's, it's, Cincinnati. And, and, and Cincinnati ain't the Ritz either. Let's be honest. Right. right. Cincinnati's <laughs> like a really nice, uh, like Marriott. <laughs> yeah, a really nice Marriott. I, I was even going to go maybe like a uh, Comfort Inn and Suites. No, a little bit nicer than that. Like, uh, <laughs> like Hilton, Hilton Garden Inn. Yeah, Hilton Garden Inn. There we go. It's, it's Cincinnati's the Hilton Garden. <laughs> you get the free free breakfast, like free full breakfast buffet. You got some nice, some, <laughs> some decent amenities, but you know. But but it ain't the Ritz. No, and I think <laughs> I think someone, if I know my Italian heritage, someone likes the Ritz. It's <laughs> probably right. It's <laughs> probably correct. Ah. Uh, basketball wise, uh, Deshaun Nelson will be in town for an official visit. Uh, I heard a little birdie said that. So he's in today. His visit started today. Uh, so then tomorrow will be like the main day of his visit. And then Saturday late afternoon, he'll, he'll be flying back. I heard a little birdie say, wouldn't be surprised if uh, if the crew pops in the Holy Grail. Oh, oh. So if you see Wes come in with a six foot eight guy, go nuts. <laughs> do we get do we get any read on how uh, Daniel Skilling's visit went? Uh, I haven't heard much from the pit visit. The, the Cincinnati visit from all indications was as good as humanly possible. The one I'm worried about is this coming weekend, as I've said, NC state. Pitt was at Tennessee for football. So like he wasn't there for a a football game, which I don't know how big that would have been anyway, considering they play off campus. Like, is it crazy? You know, I don't know, but. Right. Um, So if you, if you see Deshaun Nelson, stroll in or you see Wes Miller stroll into the the Holy Grail 
like a, a Deshaun Nelson chant might not, might not hurt. Um, other than that, you know, we're 12 days from the start of basketball practice from the official start of basketball practice for the, uh, for the season. And the good news is Dave, once that hits, I'll be allowed to go to practice. Now I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to practice given my current situation, because my wife still is not home, which really sucks. Uh, but soon practice will be open and I will be able to, uh, get some info from practice, which is, uh, what I've been waiting for, for a long time, this whole, like, you're not allowed to go watch workouts is bullshit. <laughs> Look, why, why, why can't I go watch workouts? There's rules, Chad. There's always rules. I don't like rules. Well, no one does. I like being able to do what I'm used to doing, which is going and watching workouts. Habitual line stepper. I am a habitual line stepper, and that's just how we've gotten here, right? <laughs> yes. If I wasn't a habitual line stepper, this site would still have 273 members. So I, I do have a question for next okay. next week, the bye week pod. Well, we're having action cookbook on. I, I knew that, but what are the chances we could also get John Cunningham on? Maybe a, maybe a different day, not necessarily like just like a, a quick, you know, 20, 30 minute type thing. The only problem with that is I'm guessing it would need to be during the day. Right. Which will be at work. So I would have to do solo, which I don't have a problem with, but. Right. Um, I can try. Just a uh, Without well, cause, it's a little more difficult because right. usually with Cunningham, that would go through cause. But and I, I do have John's number. You do have Anthony's number. I do. So maybe we could, could try to work something out for next week. With, I'm just uh, trying to think of a way to – because, I mean, I, I know obviously we've had, we've had press conference and, and there's still information that is being figured out. But I think there are other questions that are, would be interesting to hear answers to that aren't, you know, the whole, like, when are we going to get out? How much is it going to cost? Like, I would right. just like to ask him just personally your opinion. Would you rather play eight conference games or nine? And how does moving to the Big 12 change, if at all, your philosophy on non-conference scheduling? Like, just, right. you know, stuff like that that is maybe not a question you want to use your one question in a press conference to ask. But, you know, if we get him for 20, 30 minutes, stuff that I think the majority of the fan base, the diehards would be interested in knowing. Yeah. We'll work on that. Um, Action Cookbook, I think, is going to be fun because, you know, he shares the same passions we do. You see in food. That's right. We don't know where he is on booze yet, but... Uh, well, he lives in... He's a Clevelander. He definitely drinks. He lives in Louisville, I think. Yeah, but he's from Cleveland. Right. He's from Cleveland, went to Cincinnati, lives in Louisville. Like, he's going to be in Atlanta before you know it. <laughs> or Nashville, one of the two. He's destined to just continue south. <laughs> no, south. Well, he, he accomplished the first goal. That was getting out of Cleveland. Yeah. Now getting out of Louisville is next. Without question. So I'll work on it. I'll see what I can do. Um, 
We are, I believe Brady is back in the fold for Monday for the BBP. Right on. So we're going to have a big week of podcasts next week for the bye week, which we're kind of doing wrong because the important one is the one after the bye week because there's no game to talk about. Right. So we're going to have to crank up the phones and and try to work out. Well, we'll the, definitely uh, get it. I mean, I'm sure we can another, get a, another I'll get Tom Boy. Guest. I'll get Tom Boy. And based on what happens this Saturday, what happens with them over the next few weeks, what happens I mean, what happens nationally? You know, I don't know exactly who's playing who, but the way that it's already gone, you've had I think 11 top 25 teams already lose. Yeah. So it's getting interesting, and if Cincinnati I mean, I, can. It's, it's kind of an interesting question. I'm going to steal it, and and from I think it was Stuart Mandel's mailbag from the Athletic was asked like, "Is UC in a better position now to make the playoff, or a worse position than when the season started?" When based on the things, I think that we about know. the same. About the same? Right now, I would say I think it's about the same. But but that's because we don't know, like, the like if Notre Dame beats Wisconsin, if they beat Purdue and Wisconsin going into the Cincinnati game, Notre Dame's 4-0. It doesn't matter how they looked at that point, right? True. Right. They're on the other side of it. They're 4-0 hosting if Cincinnati wins this weekend. Potentially a top six or seventeen. I would say they are in a better position for two reasons. One, Clemson and Ohio State lost. Clemson and Ohio State already lost. Now this is all under the premise that UC goes thirteen and zero. Yes, of course. But Clemson and Ohio State has already lost. The second reason I think they're in a better position is. Indiana and Notre Dame appear to be more beatable than maybe we thought going into the season. So while we, while some people, most people might say that we need them to be good, it doesn't matter how good they are if you don't beat them. Right. So they appear more beatable, I think, is gives UC a better chance because they got to go 2-0 in those games anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I get that point. I think that's a pretty good point. I, I'm not against that at all. Um, I think I just say I think it's about the same. I would, you're right, and I would just say like I feel like there might be some that would say they're in a worse position because Indiana lost and Notre Dame does it doesn't look good. Where I would say like we got to go 13 and 0, so I don't really care if they if yeah they lost like they, we need them to stink. No, I feel you. <laughs> like if we go thirteen, but it, you know, if we go thirteen and zero, and they're going to say, "Well, the two power teams that they scheduled ended up not having as good of a year that they needed." It to depends have. on how but, bad the then, year is. But then, what? What are you going? Then there's no. Then it was never. It yeah, was never but I mean, anyway, if Indiana's five and seven, you can't puff your chest about winning at Indiana. Oh, and I don't think anybody would. I know, but but I'm saying when it comes to like measuring up resumes, 
how good Indiana and Notre Dame are matter. Oh, for sure. It matters. But we gotta beat we gotta beat them first. Yeah. Of course. But if Indiana loses to Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa, along with UC, like even seven and five Indiana is not that impressive. Oh, no. Like, I'm actually going to, because now that you, like, say it out loud. talk about They're in the Big Ten East. Yeah, but. I just want to see how it breaks down. How slow is your internet right now? No, I was typing poorly. Oh. And I, were you typing like the person that puts the letters on Indiana's jerseys? So they go after you see they play at West. I mean, you missed, you just missed a great one liner and never mind. Not even listening. Whatever. (laughs) Ruined my joke. Whatever. This could get bad for them real fast. Yeah. Like Western Kentucky, then at Penn State, Michigan State, who is not terrible anymore. Ohio State, at Maryland, who can score a lot of points. At Michigan, and then Rutgers, Minnesota, Purdue. But, I mean, you're looking at, if they lose to UC, say they beat Western, they could easily lose those next five games in a row. And you're looking five. at. You're I didn't at, say five and seven by accident. Well, you're looking at one and or two and seven at that point. Yeah. And they'd have to win those last three to get to five <laughs> and seven. Yikes. This one is a must win. I don't like it's hard to put must wins on the third game of the year, especially at a conference, but like, yikes. It could get ugly for them. They, like, yeah. Real quick, real, real quick if they don't figure it out. Hopefully Saturday is not when they figure it out. They're not figuring it out Saturday. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have a whole lot else, do you? No. No? No. All right. I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to go. going to feel nice to go to a, to a road game. Ready to ready to cheer on the Bearcats. All right. I had a good night. I, I had galactic fried chicken tonight. Oh. Shane, as always, took care of us. Wonderful. I had the, the breast and the wing. Kelsey had uh, four chicken legs and mashed potatoes. Four I chicken could, legs? Y'all, she could eat just a, a pile of fried chicken legs. Like drumsticks. Like she just mauls those things. As could, as could I. Yeah, she loves them. Uh, and some mashed potatoes. And uh, then we went to uh, Schneider's. But if you've never been to Schneider's in the summer, you have to go. Are you familiar with Schneider's? Is it in Kentucky? Yes. Then no. It's in, it's in Bellevue, right, right across. As soon as the first exit on 471, kind of by the levee. They have, you know, the ice balls, right? Okay. But they put a scoop of vanilla ice cream in the middle, or whatever kind of ice cream you want in the middle. So it's like a creamy Italian ice. Oh, interesting. It's really, really good. And uh, then we came home and I did this podcast. Tomorrow, thanks, Nick, Nico, X-Lax, whatever. 
many iterations of Nico. She's getting some crawfish tomorrow night. Oh, where are you Which, getting them now? Uh, Cincy Seafood in Northern Kentucky has kind of been the go-to. They were massive. And the ones you, that we got from you, there last time. Are you time. cooking them or are they coming in? No, no, no. So everybody's been, and if you want, this is still an option. Uh, if you want to, you want to support Kelsey through everything we're going through. Cause I think Kelsey's Kelly's at least in the hospital until Tuesday or Wednesday, which she's tomorrow ties her record. We talked about this today at the hospital. Her, her personal record is 13 days in the hospital. Tomorrow is 13 days. And she's going to go until at least Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. Uh, so we're, you know, we're, <laughs> this thing's still dragging on. Uh, you can either go to Uber Eats or DoorDash and uh, send a gift card to brendel.chad at gmail.com. Or you can just Venmo or PayPal Bearcat Journal, and I will put it in the account. Uh, and what we're doing with that is just feeding Kelsey, which makes her happy every night because <laughs> she gets we do it actually we, we've had fun with it dave we do it the night before so the night before we have this whole process where she goes through she looks at all the, the restaurants that are available picks out what she wants schedules it you know because visiting hours don't end until seven she's usually hungry by like 5 30 5 o'clock so we schedule it for when she wants dinner to arrive uh, and she gets her own dinner and, and it's kind of helped keep her mind off things at least a little bit. Uh, so if you want to, that's, that's the biggest way to help right now. Uh, but tomorrow night is uh, Nick said that he sent his money specifically for crawfish. So we're going to use all of his donation specifically for uh, Kelsey to eat crawfish. <laughs> You're a mud bug guy. You like, you like the crawfish. I like it all, man. You should have seen her the the first night we got it. She had a friend over here with her, and friend her feel, friend was not mortified. <laughs> mortified, ripping the heads off, sucking the juice yeah. out of the heads. Oh, the yeah. brain! The brains are the best part. Yeah, and then chasing her friend around with the decapitated <laughs> crawfish. Yeah, it's gonna need, so, need one of us. One of us. Poor girl <laughs> therapy. <laughs> where did she have them for the first time that she was like i want to try these so i think she saw something on tiktok or something yeah because well, just one day you I tell her that she's only got like a month a little over a month left to she eat knows. them yeah she knows November. she's so my friend liz uh is is living she's from here i worked with her at q102 for a long time uh one of my best friends she's living in new orleans now uh, she's a professor at one of the universities down there and she's home because so, she's, so is she a professor at the real Xavier? No, she's not. Um, she's home because she, she stayed through the hurricane, right? Yeah. She toughed out the hurricane and then they lost power and it was like 105 degrees and she's like, fuck this. I'm going, I'm going back home. So she came home for a couple weeks. Um, so Kelsey and Liz, Liz went with us tonight for uh, some galactic fried chicken. And Kelsey is now planning her spring break in New Orleans because it's the start of April is like the start of crawfish season. Yeah. yeah and that's November to March pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So she's, she's die hard on crawfish. It's, it's hilarious. 
It's the most random thing ever. She just one day was, we were going to Naughty Pine uh, for our anniversary dinner in July. And she saw that they have like on Tuesdays, they have like a crawfish boil, like in season. Yeah. And she's like, I want crawfish. And we were like, you are not, look, we'll let you try crawfish. But you are not getting the $50 crawfish boil. You're not ordering the crawfish because you take one look at it. And you're like, oh, that's gross. I'm not eating right. that. And then and we then... just we just lit $50 on fire. Um, so, you know, we we waited and then we went to there's a new place up right by um, by Kenwood Mall that just opened. It's like a seafood boil, like, you know. Uh, South Carolina style. Oh, okay, I need to place. check that. Fairly close to me, so I can. Check it it was decent. It was pretty good. Um, and they had like uh, like seven dollars for half a pound of crawfish. So I was like, that's a good opportunity for seven bucks to let her try them. Yeah, and see if she's actually going to like them. She ate those things in like four minutes and ordered another half pound. So she clearly likes spicy food then. Yeah, she likes some heat. She likes a little kick. So most of the time, those those babies have been, you know, soaking in the in the old bay and the Creole seasoning. So the one, the Sensi seafood one, is more of a like it's got old bay, but it like the the garlic and then like the main base is like a lemon pepper. Oh, okay. So it's not as like New Orleans style, but she's she likes some heat. Maybe, so, maybe we can uh, maybe we can meet at Swamp Water. Love Swamp Water. That's that's real, love that's, that's real close water. to our old house. It's it's fairly close yeah. to where we're at now, but it'd be like no, a good, no, good meeting spot for us uh, when the when the next spring when they're in season. Yeah, you just let me know when you're ready to go get some crawfish with Kelsey. Uh, you're buying the crawfish as long as she <laughs> as long as she buys the beers. <laughs> that's a losing fucking proposition. Hell no. Hey. You said I'm more than happy to buy the crawfish. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a fair deal to me. I will happily buy all the crawfish. She buys all the beers. Well, let's, let's, let's bring her on. Okay. Dave says, "Hi." Dave says, "When Good. when crawfish are in season, remember Swamp Water that we went to a couple uh-huh. times. He wants to meet us at Swamp Water, and he'll buy the crawfish if you buy the beers." What do you think? Mm. Dave can drink a lot of beer. Is the problem? <laughs> I gotta get do a lot you, of crawfish stuff. I can also think, eat, I can also eat a lot of crawfish. <laughs> do you think you can eat more crawfish than Dave can drink beers? No. You sure? <laughs> you? I mean, she murdered a pound of uh, like a one pound I mean, oil. I do. I do have under my belt a uh, a trip to Cabo in college where I ate eighty two peel and eat shrimp. That's a lot of shrimp. Like what count? Like were they? They were like fairly 30? small, but they're still 80. So they were like 30 count. Probably 30, 35 count. So you ate like two pounds of shrimp. And it was probably it was probably a little bit more than that. Yeah. But yes. Well, I had, but, to stop, I, mean, I had to stop eating because I couldn't feel my face to chew anymore. 
Can you eat enough crawfish to where it makes it worth it for me to pay for Dave's beer? Mm-hmm. All right, then you're on. Okay, good, good deal. All right, thank you. She's been dying to get on the podcast for a while, oh, so that was her chance. No, you're not going up on the bed. That was her chance. Oh, All right, man, that's going to wrap it up. I think we're good after yep. uh, a, a good Kelsey appearance. For sure. um, we're going to get out of here. Everybody, be safe on the way to Bloomington. Leave early. I'm not ki- like I'm not kidding. My wife's already furious at me that we're leaving at like six. I think six should be okay. Like you're still gonna get some traffic, but I don't think you're gonna be like stopped. I feel right? like I can bust a good bit of it off like before eight o'clock, and then yeah, we'll be in like well, some at the very it's end. It's like but... the last. It's like the last thirty miles or so that is two lane road, two lane right. windy road into Bloomington. Right. So, I mean, the expressway part, like 74, there's a little bit of construction. It's a little bit of a pain, but it's not too, it it's not going to be, be too bad early on a Saturday at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Right. Uh, and, but and hopefully like a bunch of Indiana fans are coming down from the Indy area. Like, I feel like there won't, there'll be a lot of more UC people coming in the way we're coming in. I'm hoping that's the way. <laughs> I hope you're right. And I, I, hope, I think most I people are probably, if I had to guess, most people are probably going to leave about seven. This is a detriment to your plan. I would tell those people to leave at six or six thirty. Leave at six thirty so Dave can get a half hour head start. Just be there when the game starts. You know, (laughs) that's the problem. Is trying to figure out how to get there in time for the game to start. All right, that's going to wrap it up. That was a fun one, Matt Weaver. Awesome stuff from Peaks.com. Like I said at the beginning, love those guys from Peaks. They do awesome work covering IU. They they very much are to IU sports what we are to UC sports. Uh, so he, he's got great insight. He does a great job covering the football team. He gave us a great look at Indiana and a very honest look at Indiana, Dave. That's yep. about as honest a, a preview as we've gotten on this podcast. I know. I love it. That's what we do when we go on places and talk about UC. Keep it, keep it real. Um, Holy Grail get there i would get there around 11 11 30 at the latest if you like with a 210 reds game against the dodgers it's gonna be a zoo downtown oh, he, he also sent me some questions that i answered so uh for them so if you're looking to see kind of what he okay. was wanting to know and what i had to say uh that i'm guessing that'll be up on their site tonight tomorrow something like that perfect um All right, that's going to wrap it up. Holy Grail, see you there on Saturday. If you see Deshaun Nelson and Wes Miller walk in, let them know. Let them know you're you're aware that uh, they're in the house. We will uh, chat next week. Action Cookbook. Dave is excited for this one. Maybe not as, you know, he's he's a big Godfrey guy. We need to get, like, EDSBS, like, on here one of these days. Good luck with that. I try. Give it a shot, Dave. You're the producer of this show. Make it happen. Yeah. He's he's a popular dude for, for good reason. Yeah. He's as good as it gets. But uh, that's going to – I've also – let me know what you think. I've, I've reached out, Dave, to Solomon Tentman. Yeah. And uh, I've thought about having him on to break down, like, what he's seeing from UC's defense week to week. Sure. I think that's a good one, don't you? Yeah. If, I mean, if you want to hear yeah. from – I'm always into like the 
X's and O's of it and lear learning more about what, what we're actually watching. I've talked to him about it. He's down. So going through the season, I'd like to have him on uh, from time to time to talk defense. And uh, we're, we're looking to make this thing as big as possible. Like, let's, let's blow it up and have as much fun and as much info and as much detail as we can as we go through this season. So that's it. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Kelsey's around here somewhere. There's Tiger. New, new celebrity. There's Tiger. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail, right here on Bearcat Journal. <laughs>